All right. Welcome to the Rings and Robes podcast. Glad you are tuning in. My name is Eric, and I've got the lovely, the one, the only, Miss Aubrey Roach with me. <laughs> How are you doing, Aubrey? I'm good. How are you? I can't complain. I can't complain. <laughs> I, listen, I am so excited. We're just going to jump right in. I am so pumped about what we're going to do with this podcast here. I know we've been talking about doing something like this for, I feel like it's been at least a year. We've always kind of known probably for many, yeah. many, many, many years that we were going to collab, do something together, you know, with just our relationship and everything over the past decade plus. I think it's finally time and it's come to fruition. And here we are. The time has arrived. The time has arrived. The time is now. So we wanted to introduce ourselves. Obviously, this is going to be the inaugural episode, episode one of the Rings and Rose podcast. And we're going to kind of dive in, give you a little bit of our, our mindset and kind of the heart behind what we want to do here and what you can expect and why you don't want to miss an episode, most importantly. Um, but then kind of dive into a little passage of scripture that we were discussing. It's kind of like it's the foundation of how we're going to approach every other episode and every other topic um, as far as that goes. So we plan on really diving in. We've got a really good couple series already on tap, lined up. We're going to be bringing in some guest speakers, some different people from around the country. I don't know, maybe around the world when it gets, who knows? We know people everywhere. And as God leads us, we're going to bring people in to get some fresh insight and some some revelation, some nuggets from different people on different topics. I know I'm excited. We're going to do one on praise. Um, we've been talking about that. We've got one on like, you know, the, the fivefold ministry gifts, things like that. We're really going to attack and go after a lot of misconceptions, a lot of misunderstandings or just really flat out wrong beliefs that people have latched themselves to um, in their walk that we believe could severely limit. Um, your experience and hold you back from really experiencing the fullness of what the father has for you. And I, I would say that's the big thing is understanding him as father, right? Yeah. I think that, that's going to be a, a big thing. So Aubrey, just jump in, like, tell us a little bit about your, your thoughts on that, just where you see the, the podcast and different things we're going to discuss and kind of your thoughts on that. Um, I think a, a lot of the issue, um, as a whole with the body of Christ is, and this is something that the Lord has been dealing with me for probably about three years now is our identity and understanding who we are in him because of who he is. Uh, and so when we come into an understanding of knowing him as father, everything changes the perspective of who he is and how he interacts and the way he says things and why he says things or why he does the things that he does is because he is father. Um, I think there's been a lot of damage done in the body of Christ uh, when it comes to understanding his character and who he is, because uh, a lot of people have grown up with the mindset of in order to be accepted, you have to do or you have to work. Uh, and the more you grow in understanding of who he is and what he's already done, that's actually a false narrative. We don't have to do or work for anything. We just simply receive it. Um, and once we come into that um, mindset, everything changes. The way you view yourself changes. But we can't have a proper view of who we are until we start to understand who he is. Because the Bible says that we were made in his image. So if we, we have to position ourselves first to see him as he is before we can see us the way that he's created us. So I think that this podcast is going to be something that helps people um, find their identity and who he is yeah. uh, and kind of break down some religious walls. Just demolish. Probably the best. Demolish. That's exactly. Right. I've got a Thor hammer over here on my one table. I should have had, if I would have, <laughs> it, I would have had it right there. But a, um, a lady from church, she, um, she gave me, it's a, it's Thor's hammer over there. Um, just all about, you know, praying and speaking and things like that. And just how like Thor's hammer, it just smashes through, you know, whatever it is that, that, that is being targeted. Um, so I wish I would have known that. As you can see, that's the nature of this podcast. We are totally unscripted. We're just going to pick a topic and just kind of flow with it. But um, that's kind of what you can expect. I love, Aubrey, what you were saying there about, you know, so many people in religion, especially, they try to find themselves apart from God. It's like they've got to find themselves first 
make sure that self they find get that one all cleaned up bandaged up make sure that self is good so that they could maybe find god and you know it, how exhausting that is it's it's exhausting it's so exhausting that it's impossible yeah 100%. it's not even possible and so you it, it's it's people it's like you think you're running a marathon but you're just on this broken down treadmill and you're exerting yeah. all this energy and you feel like you've done something and then you stop and you look around and you're still in the same place. That's how right. I, you know, but I, I think you nailed the key there. Um, it's first, we got to discover him as father, understand who he is as a father and through the eyes of, and through the lens of the, as of a father that begins to shine light and show us who we are as sons. And it, it's beautiful because what did Jesus do? He came to reveal the father. If you've seen me, you've seen the father, Right. So I, I think that's, if I could give like a summary of what we, our journey here on this podcast is we're going to look and identify and go through everything, common things that you probably believed your whole life, doctrines, different things, but we're going to, we're going to show it to you and look at it through the lens of a father, of a loving father, or through the son, through Jesus. As I like to say, Jesus is perfect theology, right? So if if the way you interpret or look at a certain passage or a certain belief system, if it's the opposite of Jesus, or if you can't find it in Jesus, who he demonstrated himself to be, then you've got to go change how you view that passage. I just uh, actually, one of my Facebook memories today was a, a quote that I had heard, and it said, I'm going to like paraphrase it, but it was along the lines of saying, um, Jesus came to set the example for who we're supposed to become. And so like anytime we go into scriptures and we're seeing Jesus doing all these things or how he's interacting with people or the miracles that he performs, he, he didn't do that just to reveal the kingdom of God, right? He did that so he could set the example of this is what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. So to your point, when, when we say, you know, Jesus is perfect theology. Well, he is because everything in him is truth. And so everything he did can't be wrong because he is truth. Exactly. Yep. So. And, he, and he was very specific. He said, no man has seen the father, right? He was very yeah. specific and very intentional about that. He said, basically to me, this is what he was saying. You've heard a lot about him. You've heard a lot about a God. You've heard all these different things, but I'm here to tell you, nobody has seen the father except for me. And now I'm here and I'm going to reveal who right. he really is, not who he's going to become after I go right. to the cross, not who he'll be, right? When he just stopped being ticked off at us because I'm going to go up on the cross and take your beating for you, <laughs> right? That'll yeah. be a podcast down the road, right? But yeah. who he's been, and it's it's seen, and he came to reveal the Father, right? One of the disciples, somebody asked him, said, you know, show us the Father. And he's like, how long have I been with you? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, right? Correct. So, and th that's the journey that I embarked on years ago is just seeing like, okay, according to this, according to religion, this God is this and this and does this and reacts this way. And then I said, well, wait a minute, if Jesus perfectly revealed the father and Jesus didn't react and respond that way, or Jesus didn't do that, then I can't pin that on the father. Correct. It's very simple. Which Correct. Leads us into the first passage, first little nugget that we're going to drop on everybody. You're probably familiar with it. I know you are, Aubrey. Luke 15, and it starts in verse 11. It's the story of the prodigal son. Nope. <laughs> no, this is the curveball I want to throw at you, right? I'm, I'm going to mess with you right here. That's what Correct. everybody says, right? But Correct. nowhere in the verse does it say the prodigal son. No, that's, it does what, not. that's what the Bible, like little headlines put in there. That's what religion, because religion wants you to focus on the sun because religious, because the sun is you in this picture and religion always wants to make it about you. But I Correct. saw something interesting. I've got it on my screen here. Verse 11. Here's what it says. See if you pick up on what I'm about to drop on you. Yep. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. A man <laughs> yeah. had two sons. I don't think this story and parable was supposed to be and show us the nature of the son. 
sure. the parable, he was intending to show us the nature of a man who in this story is the father. Yeah. But religion has made this story all about jacked up, messed up sons getting out of a pig pen and you better get home. Yeah. And I, I saw that. And so I said, you know what? I don't think I'm not going to call this the prodigal son anymore. I want to call this story the yearning father. I can get with it. The story of the yearning <laughs> father. Correct. Because when you continue on in the story, you see that. Yeah, that's what you see. You see a father. What's he doing? Is he just kind of going about his day and busy and somebody, hey, look, that well, let's not jump the gun. We'll get to it. But that that's what I wanted to, to throw at you. Yeah, about the jump. Don't do that. Yeah, let's not jump. So let, let, let's break this down for the people here, Aubrey. So, and, and again, if you want to take this another way and you want to stick to it, focus on the sun and call him prodigal, you can. But I really see this as he starts off with a man had two sons. I believe he really wants us to key in or understand the nature of that man, not the sons. There's something to be learned there. But I think we miss the biggest aspect of this, which is, a man, the father in the story. So let's just dive into the story and just throw some nuggets at him. Can we just Chick-fil-A it here for a little bit here? Is that cool? That with Chick-fil-A sauce. That's right. With Chick-fil-A sauce. <laughs> Not too much, they'll charge you extra, right? Yes, I will. So we know, most of you know the story. Man, he had two sons and the younger son said what? He said, you know, I want to go off and, and do my own thing. I'm, and I'm paraphrasing. This is the, the new the new Eric version. I'm paraphrasing because you know the story. And he takes all his belongings. He wants his inheritance, right? And he goes off and it says he goes off into a land and he's just living wild. And that's where they get the, the, the label prodigal son. Um, he goes out and it says that he just basically squanders and just uses up his inheritance. Now, about right. the same time that he spends everything and spends his inheritance and all that, it says there's a famine and everything in the land. So he's without and things just got worse. What are your thoughts there? You jump in and share something there. <laughs> you sure? <laughs> um, well, I mean, oh, how do I go about this correctly? Um, maybe you should segue and I'm going to jump in. All right. So, no. so a, a couple things here. Th th this is what jumps out of me. And I know the meat and the juiciness of the story is yet to come. This is like the foundation, right? Yeah. So I see a boy, he got one, you got to understand where did he originate? He originated in the father's house, right? So a lot, there's a lot of these doctrines out there, these, these, these um, doctrines where you're just, you know, I've heard somebody, they, he says you're, um, we're snow covered dung and um, depravity and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. And you know, that you just start off absolutely wretched, miserable and depraved and at most and at best, you just become a depraved wretch that God can kind of tolerate now because Jesus. But I don't see that in this person. I see that I see a naive, immature person in sonship, yet the father still gave him what was his. Correct. And you see, at the end of the story, he told the other brother or the other son, what? Everything I have is yours. Correct. So I imagine the inheritance was pretty good. But so he goes out there and he's just living a life, going out there, doing his thing, running into trouble, squandering his inheritance and all that kind of stuff. And he finds himself in a pig pen. You ever find yourself in life's pig pen? A hundred percent. Life is life. Say again. Life is life. Oh, yeah. You know, absolutely. Life happens. Especially there when is something. Go ahead. I was just going to say, especially when you're a Jewish boy, the pig pen's as low as low can get. There's Correct. Been. But go ahead. Well, I I don't know if I'm going to go a little too far with this, but let's let's back up a second, right? Because the Bible says that the father gives the boy all of his inheritance. Go for it, right? Now, if you want to look at inheritance across the board, if we have inheritance. We're building our inheritance to give to the next, to our children. But then that child should be building up an inheritance to give to their children, right? It's a continual thing. 
But when you read this, the Bible says that when this boy goes out, it says that he had his inheritance, but it says that he spent all of his inheritance. It's gone. So instead of investing it in the way that it should have been, he wasted it on things. But it says after he had spent all of all of his inheritance, the Bible says that the land that he was in went into a famine. I personally believe that anywhere we are, okay, if God has given us this inheritance, the people around us get to benefit from what we have inside of us. And if we waste it, if we waste what God has given us, it causes an extreme famine, not just to us, but to everyone around us. And so we're, and then it says that he leaves, right? And he goes and he's, he's looking for food. He's, and he's looking for people to supply the, the need, but he would have never been there if he had learned how to maintain the inheritance he could have given to others. This is our responsibility, right? He's gifted us and equipped us with the kingdom of God. And it's our responsibility to be able to steward that correctly and to give to people who are hungry so they can give to others who are hungry. It shouldn't be the other way around. Right. Steward- you see what I'm saying? I think that's the, exactly. key, the key word you dropped there. It was stewardship. Correct. Yes. And and that's I I didn't I didn't even put that together until you said that, but I see that now. The famine didn't happen until he fully squandered what he had. Correct. As kingdom people and stewards of the kingdom resources, because of that, everything around us prospers. Yes. But on the other side of that, if we don't properly steward, then the things around us experience drought famine whatever that's a good point good catch that and the bible also tells us you know in the very beginning be fruitful and multiply and everyone's like yeah babies let's have babies okay i get that but it's not just babies it's about uh be fruitful and multiply in discipleship and expanding the knowledge of the kingdom of god that we limit this to just the natural but uh i've been thinking about this all day because we've been i know we've been talking about ron carpenter but my mind went back uh to a series that i watched about um ron carpenter was talking about how we have uh direct access into spiritual realms and he's the thing that he said that i will never forget is hollywood is more familiar with the fact of a spiritual realm than the church is and if we would understand that this this goes beyond a basic human level right and it may sound scary and complex but it's not it's did i do that i don't know (laughs) it's no uh it's so much deeper so deeper so to be fruitful and multiply okay what fruit are you bearing and the fruit that you're giving out is so you can give to others so guess what now that fruit is multiplied because they get to give that fruit to somebody else to somebody else because what does so then nobody goes hungry the nobody's hungry Fruit has seed in it. So when you're feeding somebody, the fruit has its own ability and potential within it to multiply itself. And I think that's right. where we, we could look back at the parable of the 10 talents, right? Yeah. There's there's your be fruitful and multiply. That's not just childbirth, as you said, right? And, and it's very interesting that I believe that's the expectation of the kingdom, proper stewardship and multiplying what you have. I mean, God doesn't just work in my, from what I understand, in addition, he works in multiplication. If one can set a, a thousand a flight, two can set ten thousand a flight. Right? There's a multiplication when you're dealing with things of the kingdom and God. And one thing we can learn from that parable, of the ten talents, it always stuck out to me, is that one that had the one and they buried it and didn't multiply it. Correct. It wasn't even the man that came back and was ready to just like drop it on him. No. The dude said. He asked him, why did you do that? And he said, well, you're known to be an austere businessman. And what did he say? So be it, according to your words. He experienced his belief. Correct. He had the understanding that the owner or whatever would be an austere businessman. And that's how he experienced them. Do not so many people... In, in faith and in church, it's amazing how they have such a different experience with the same God, with the same Father. It's yeah. because they live and experience Him 
as what they believe. Right. Correct. That's a pretty good point. And I think that fits perfectly in the story that we're talking about here. So let's continue on because we're getting to the best part of this whole story, I think, right? He's there. And I love what it says. This is verse 17. It says, when he finally came to yes. his senses. <laughs> that right there. Let's unpack that for a second. And, and when you break down the original Greek, it literally, it, the word senses isn't there. It literally is saying he finally returned to himself. Correct. That's that's the translation I have. When he came to himself. Boom. That's it. He didn't he, he realized I'm not supposed to be here. Yeah, he didn't. It, and there wasn't like this big like osmosis transformation. It's simply he just he returned back to who he was and who he was originally to who he was in the beginning. Correct. At his father's house. He was still the son of the father, son of the Correct. king in the pig pen. It's just nothing changes. And I wish people would understand that is. It doesn't matter what mess you get in. Well, let me paraphrase this or subtitle this because I don't want people coming at me. I'm not condoning sin. But what I am saying is that it doesn't change the fact that God has created you as a son and as a daughter. Right. Period. Okay. It doesn't change that. So, like, when, and, and we've talked about this when we say, oh, I got to get myself back together first. I got to. <laughs> no. Right. <laughs> no. That's... He's waiting for you to come home. That's what. That's the next couple verses in the story. Right. That's, that's the that's the crazy thing here. When he finally came to himself, and then so okay, so he has this realization. He comes to himself. He's like, okay, wait a minute, this isn't who I am. And what you're saying, I agree. And when we start talking about this, people start saying, oh, what are you saying? We can sin. They get into yeah. all that. Stop. Don't say what we're not saying. Don't focus on what we're not saying. Focus on what we <laughs> are saying here. Okay. Yeah. What we're simply saying is. If you focus on what he wasn't, nothing would change. He had to come to the realization of who he is, right? right? Religion spends all of its time telling you what you're not and who you're not and what you're not supposed to do. Here's right. the problem. No action is birthed out of hearing what you're not. Mm -mm. Action and birth is birthed through understanding who you are because with who you are becomes potential Correct. because now you're saying, okay, I can do something with that. You can't do anything with, if all you hear is you're not this, you stop doing this. This isn't who you are. Great. Everybody knows who they're not. Right. Tell me who am I? Who am I? So I have something to move forward and act upon. Sure. So it, it's not that it's simply, it's not that we're, glossing over or ignoring the fact that okay oh yeah sure he he shouldn't have spent his life he shouldn't have been the pick sure 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 we could have talked about that all day long that would not have changed anything and we'll show you as we go on where repentance actually happens in this story but here's an interesting nugget on that word when he came to himself there's a word and it's the same word do you remember in the garden it's genesis 324 remember you know the, how you feel about genesis oh i love genesis <laughs> Sega Genesis, you know, anyway, <laughs> we're not playing games here. Mm. Right. So in, in Genesis 324, if you remember, remember when God got just so angry and ticked off, he come down the garden yelling and screaming at them when they ate the tree and was just ready to like kick him in the face and kick him out of the garden and told me never want to talk to him again. I don't remember that. You don't have that version of the Bible. Okay. Yeah. Cause that never happened. Right. Correct. So it was Adam who hid. It was God Correct. looking. And then people say, well, look, he remember he put the cherub with a flaming sword at the gate to guard the gate. Mm -hmm. He did that out of mercy. Correct. He did that because in their fallen state, had mm -hmm. they eaten from the tree of life, they would have remained eternally in that fallen state with that marred nature. Correct. So it was mercy that said, let me separate you thing that can make this perk. Cause this, what just happened? This is temporary. Correct. Okay. This is temporary. In fact, it's so temporary. I already slew the the lamb before the foundation of the world, before all this happened. But this has to play out in this little uh, like chasm called time, right? This is temporary. This is temporal. So let me block this off so that you can't access and make this thing eternal and permanent. But here's the key. That word, it's it's a word that I've got here. I got to pull it up. Hafak, Hafak, something like that. 
H A P H A K. Hofok. Hofok is how the how it's said in the Hebrew. And it literally means so when it said that an angel with a swirling sword, that word swirling is the word hafok, and it means to return to. I studied mm -hmm. this out. The sword was always pointing back, back. to their origin. Yeah. So if the angel was not there to scare them, intimidate them, and prevent them. The angel was there as a reminder saying, hey, this is your origin. This is where we've got to get back to. The sword yeah. always pointed back, return back to your origin. Yeah. So when you jump back into the scripture here, when he finally came back to his origin, when he finally came back to himself, it's the same Correct. word concept. Correct. One of my most favorite parts, backtracking a little bit, is in, in Genesis, when the Bible says that he came, God came looking for Adam and Eve, right? Because we're on, we live in the understanding that this is the relationship that they had. God continually dwelt with Adam and Eve, not because he had to, but because he wanted to. He loved them. Yep. And when we read that you know, Adam is full of shame and, and he's embarrassed because he did something that he wasn't supposed to do. You don't think God knew that? He knew that and he still came looking for him, looking for him. Adam was the one who was like, I got to go. God never told him to go. Right. Well, you know, until later. But you understand what I'm saying? Like, as I, I like to say it this way, because remember, he used to come and he would walk with him in the cool of the day. Yes. Adam falls and hides, but God still showed up for the walk. A hundred percent. He didn't show up. He to Because in fact, he so didn't show up to condemn. He said, take those fig leaves off. He sacrificed and said, if you're going to wear something and cover that, it's going to be something I provide. Not you. And he so took not that. Your what did he cover himself with? Fig leaves. What's the exactly. only thing Jesus cursed when he was on the planet? A fig tree. <laughs> God will always curse anything that you use through your human efforts to try to cover your sin or, or redeem yourself or, or any kind of religiosity and your own righteousness. Correct. And not only that, the Bible gave us, I learned this through somebody and I've clung to it ever since. I can't take credit for this, but um, <laughs> when uh, God gave Adam the responsibility, right, to tend to the field, that was Adam's work. And Adam took what he worked on to cover himself. That's not just, that's not good enough. You yep. can't take what you do. You can't take your own efforts to cover yourself. What he has is far more better, far more better. He, uh, we might find out he's got a pretty nice robe that he could, uh, put on you there. And a ring. And a ring. And some nice. <laughs> so that, that takes us back to the passage here. So when he finally returned to himself, he's got it right but look, mm -hmm. religion was still there a little bit yeah and he began to say to himself is uh verse 17 at home even the hired servants have food enough to spare and here i am dying of hunger i will go home to my father and say father i've sinned against both you and heaven yeah and i am no longer worthy of being called your son please take me on as a hired servant does that not sound like religion Listen, you know what I think about when I read that? You and I know a lot of us have done that growing up in church, or whatever, because we beat ourselves up and we think like we mess up. We're like, well, I can't, I can't go talk to God. Like we convince ourselves yep. that God doesn't even want to hear from us. Yeah. Because we think that we've messed up so so badly. Yeah. Yeah. I heard, I think it was a meme. I forget where I saw this. I can't take credit for this one, but it said like religion says, I messed up, don't tell dad relationship yes, yes. says i messed up call dad or where is that you know right. so when you understand relationship when you have those pig pen moments that provokes you to run to a father you'll yes. always run from and hide from a god but you'll run to the comforting arms of a father that's right. why it's so important to understand him as abba to understand him as father it changes the dynamic and how you respond right so we don't we don't say hey you got to be perfect or you're not going to have your pig pen moments the key is how do you respond and how you respond is directly linked to how you view the who father. he is. Yeah. Right. 
So yeah. he, he's, he's degrading himself there. He's saying, you know, I'm not even worthy to be called your son. I know so many people believe this way. Yeah. I mean, my goodness, if you walk pet in the movie theater and there's a rated R movie playing and you stop just too long and you hear too much of that movie, you better go repent before you go watch your Muppets, right? Yeah. Yeah. People think that God is that fickle that it's like yeah. that. Like, I mean, it's 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 on Christ the solid rock I stand. It's not the slippery rock, it's the solid rock, right? Correct. Like God is just waiting there at all times, just to just like it's a big cosmic eraser, just ready to you're you're not in a family. God's not schizophrenic. <laughs> no, he's made up his mind. He made up his mind about you before you were ever here. You, you, the, oh gosh. And I wish people would understand that. So before, before you even came into existence, God, God already had, not only did he have his made his mind made up about you, but he, he had it already laid out for you, what you were going to do, what he called you to be. You, it doesn't, he knew your mess ups, your failures, your flaws, all of it. And he still called called you created you and ordained you yeah. to be that to to just be and, and what is it what does the scripture say it says something like you know and finally when we figured it all out and cleaned ourselves up christ died for us is that what it says? <laughs> no it says and yet when we were while we were still, yet sinners, still sinner yeah so correct plan for redemption was strongest when we were at our lowest, when we were at our weakest point, Listen. there was there was nothing in that moment that impressed God to say, "Man, He already had His mind made up." Like He said, "Yes," before the foundation of the world. It's exactly right. I think it's awesome. Listen, this next verse. This is where this is this is where it gets going for me. So one. one Stop thinking if you're listening to this and, and, and you and you fall in that category and you always think that, you know, you're constantly a disappointment and God's constantly displeased with you. Listen, Jesus, I, I hate when people say this. The only reason God can look at you is because he sees Jesus. I don't know. We're not hidden by Christ from God. Yeah. We're in Christ. We're hidden in Christ with yeah, God. Right. Right. Yeah. It's a partnership. Yeah. it's God doesn't look down, and we're still so wretched, but because he sees Jesus, he tolerates us. When God looks at us, he sees the new creation in Christ. He in Christ. us, the new creation in Correct. Christ Jesus. Correct. He That's sees my us kid. as that new creation. Yes. Correct. Still, still a son. Still a son. And you'll see that language. The father uses that here in a couple of verses. So it says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off. That's my favorite part. This is the, this part here. <laughs> I feel the tears coming. <laughs> and while he was still a long way off, the father murmured under his breath and told everybody just to ignore him. He's sick and tired of his stuff. No. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. <sighs> he was looking for him. He showed up for the walk in the garden, and he was looking <sighs> for him in the palace. Listen, every time, every time I read this book, whether the, this, is, this is what I find too, right? The son in his lowest point, he didn't have any hope, but this whole time, his father was full of anticipation and hope. Yeah. My favorite part is when he says that when he saw his son ways off, his son wasn't even close. He wasn't even close, but the father still saw him. And when he did, he ran. He ran to him. This version, what version am I reading here? I like this. I am the NLT because it, it says he saw him a long way off. The father saw him coming and it said, Filled with love and compassion, he went to his son. There wasn't an Correct. ounce of annoyance. There wasn't an ounce of it's about time. What have you done? Mm -hmm. Where's the inheritance? You did what? Y your mm -hmm. mother's been worried sick. Are you kidding? Filled with love 
and compassion. Correct. Remember, this whole time, the son, he's journeying home, but he's rehearsing his laundry list. He's rehearsing what he's going to say to the father and grade himself. And meanwhile, the father is watching, filled with compassion, filled with right. love. And Aubrey, I love it. It said the father waited. And finally, when the son got to the front door. Is that? Yeah. That's a, no. It said he ran <laughs> to his son while he was still a long way. He didn't even meet him in the driveway. While he was still a long way off, the father ran to his son. And you know, the only thing, the only thing the son had to do was simply turn around. He faced the direction. That's it. Turn around. The Bible says, it says that he had compassion on him and ran and it says, and fell on his neck and kissed him. That word fell in the Greek means to take possession of. He claimed back. Hmm. And it was before the son could ever say a word. Way before anything, man. Before the son could even say a word. He ran at him a far way off, full of love and compassion, embraced him, reclaimed him with a, a kiss. We were made with a kiss. You do understand that, right? When Correct. God when God formed man and said he breathed in his nostrils, turn your head sideways and kiss him. It, that, that's the picture in the Hebrew. God created Adam with a kiss. He breathed life into Adam, a pile of dirt, with a kiss. And here we see the father with a kiss before the son could even say a word. Correct. That's not what religion teaches you. No. Also, the word the word kissed in the Greek is, is also, it's a, I don't, it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a crazy smother you all over your face kind of kiss. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we, we paint God as prim and proper. Yeah. It wasn't and, dignified. <laughs> no, it was nothing dignified about it. We have to understand that God is excited over us. Yep. He's excited over you. He's excited over me. He's excited for the drug addict or he's excited for the one that's broken because he loves them. He knows what he has for them, the purpose that he has for them. And all it takes is they don't even they don't even have to take a single step forward. All they have to do is turn around. Yeah. Just turn around. And you don't even have to get close. No. While he, he comes to man while he, he comes and he, here here's a, a couple things to drop in there one we got to understand the culture and the history by law with what the son did by law the elders of that city were to meet him outside and stone him to death correct the father knew that and he wasn't yeah. to let that happen mm -mm. he said before he even got close enough to see somebody holding a stone he said, I'm going to go out. I'm going to reclaim my son. Took possession of. Took took possession of before he even got, because that's what was awaiting for him. Correct. Nobody else had a chance. And, and, and here's the other thing, too. It said that he ran. He would have had to I, roll. Waiting for, you, waiting for you to touch it. Let's go. He would have had to roll up his garments to run. And they said, and the Bible says, but back then with what they wore, their robes and stuff, he would have had to roll it up knee high. It was shameful for a man Correct. to show his legs in that day. Correct. So he shamed, the father shamed himself and ran off and met the son a long way off. Correct. He took on the shame that his son didn't have to carry. That's right. Man, Ain't that what God does for us? I bet he was so angry, wasn't he? <laughs> Furious. I mean, well, look, it says it right here. The son still, okay, the son was still so conditioned. He still had to get it out. Father, I've sinned against both you and heaven. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Here's my favorite part. Father didn't even acknowledge that. No. He says that and said, what is, but his father said to the servants. Sir. 
He did not even acknowledge the son's attempt no. to plead his case. Because the father had already reclaimed him with an embrace and a kiss. Correct. It wasn't it. But, but you got to repent. You got to say, yeah, repentance happened the moment the father embraced him and kissed him. That's where repentance happened in this story. Because repentance is to return to oneself and to change your mind. What repentance needed to happen here was not him be sorry for living in the pig pen. He had to repent and change the way he perceived his own father. Correct. I think you could go a step further and just say that repentance came when he just decided to turn around. Done. Way before a kiss and a hug. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. there was something still embedded in his belief system that said Correct. his father would be disappointed, that, that his father was going to ream him out, that he had to plead his case. And, and somehow uh, he was ready to say, I'm not going to be a son. I just want to be. A... He still had that in him. Correct. The father didn't want anything to do with it. No, he like quiet. <laughs> right, I, I I love that. I, I love the fact that he, didn't even, he didn't even acknowledge it. But religion no. will say you've got to do this, 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 and this before the father can even stomach you. Correct. Quick, bring the drabbiest, old, wretched robe nobody uses anymore. No, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Right. Not throw it at his feet and make sure he puts it on himself. You put it on him. Put it on him. Right. Get a ring for his finger. Rings and robes, baby. And sandals for his feet. Kill the calf that we've been fattening. Yes. The, 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 that's, there's even a key there. The fatted calf was the best. Yeah, and it was also saved for a person of honor. Wow. Yes, they saved that for a person of honor to be served at dinner. Imagine and you had to be specifically invited. A son that took his inheritance, squandered it, living in a pig pen. That's who got the fatted calf. That was the guest. Yep. Wow. We must celebrate with a feast. I love this part here. For this son of mine was dead. And has now returned to life. My favorite part. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Right. That's powerful. There's so much life that comes. This is why it's so important for us to understand who we are. And what God has for us. Because we... we <laughs> We are the ones that crucify ourselves. We condemn ourselves. This yep. is why Jesus said to the woman caught in adultery, who here condemns you? Right. Jesus says, it's not me. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. And then, crazy. But then again, religion will hijack that story all and say, well, but he told her she <laughs> better not sin anymore. That, <laughs> yeah. was, that, that wasn't an ultimatum. That was freedom. Absolutely. And here's the thing. Once you understand when you have an when you have a pure, authentic encounter with Jesus, you don't want to sin anymore. Right. That's it. Yeah. He wasn't given an ultimatum of a worse or punishment. He no. was given her permission. You don't have to live this way. That's no, you don't have to do this anymore. When you see all this, what it what it's given to me is because my father is so loving and merciful. It doesn't tell me that I can go do all these things and I'll come back and get the ring and the robe when I'm ready and play that game. When you <laughs> under, when you experience this kind of mercy, this kind of love, it changes something in you that says, that stuff doesn't even have a voice in my life anymore. Correct. Correct. And, and, and a lot of people abuse the whole thing and, and they say that, well, you're saying, you're saying you can just live and do whatever you want. No, that's not what I'm saying. Right. The thing is, I have an encounter with Jesus, and I now know that I don't have to, one, live in that uh, uh, lifestyle anymore, two, I have the power and the authority to get over it, to conquer it. Why? Because Jesus has already conquered it. Right. By us saying, like, we, you know, by us saying, you know, God gives us grace, you know, we can do X, Y, Y, and Z. What we're saying is, no, we have the ability and the authority to live a free life. I'm free. Yeah. I don't, I don't have to 
do that anymore. It's not saying I can, that I'm going to choose to continue to do it. It's saying, I don't want to, and I'm not going to. And you have the ability, like when you look at Romans seven, like under the law, they didn't have that option. Correct. Right. Remember what Paul was, or at the time he would have been Saul, you know, under in Romans seven, he was like the good, he's like, I want to do good. Yes. But something doesn't let me. He didn't, Present. he didn't have the ability because sin controlled, right? Even if he Correct. wanted to do good, the good that he wanted to do, he couldn't. So Correct. the key is this, when you flip the page, the Romans eight from there, therefore <laughs> there is now no more condemnation in Christ right. Jesus, period. And not to go off on a tangent, but people will read that and say, to those who walk according to his purpose, you know, right? They add that part because you got to add you back into it. But the actual original text says, there is therefore no more condemnation in Christ Jesus, period. Religion has to add themselves back into it and put it back on you a little bit. But when you understand there's no more condemnation, that, that your father is merciful and loving, that is what births transformation because it is still... The goodness of God. Correct. The man of repentance. The goodness of God. It's not the condemning of people. It's not browbeating people. It's not scaring people out of hell. Right. And most of your churches, sadly, nowadays, they'll, they'll preach people into hell during during Sunday morning service and then pull them back out and send them to heaven in the altar call. It, it, it... <laughs> I, I heard somebody say one time, Whatever you do to get them there, you have to keep doing to keep them there. Yes. So if you're scaring people out of hell, then you have to continue to scare people to keep them saved. And that's not how that works. I remember, uh, and you and I have these discussions all the time. The The best time the Lord will speak to us is in the shower. It's always in the shower. And I remember. So for me, twice a week. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we were, um, I was in the shower and I specifically the, the Lord speaking to me. And saying, it's not your job. Because we hear this cliche lingo all the time. You know, I'm just going to scare the hell right out of you. Or, you know, and I remember the Lord coming to me and saying to me, it's not your job to scare hell out of people. And I'm like, what? And, and when you grow up in it or you constantly hear it, you're like, that. This, this is what I've always heard, right? And I said, what do you mean? He said, your job is not to scare hell out of people your job is to speak heaven into people because once heaven gets in hell can't stay yep. we're so busy rebuking when you should be busy pouring into right because light and darkness can't be in the same space right it can't but once light comes in it has to expel darkness it's not even a struggle that's the beautiful thing no. between light and darkness there is no struggle it's just when not the which is darkness is gone Correct. Period. There's no struggle. It's not like light. Okay, light one. No. As soon as you hit that switch, light's on, darkness is gone. Correct. It's that simple. What do I know? Of course, Aubrey, this is a beautiful story. But of course, there's always that older brother. He's there's a little always self. That older brother in the story. And what I find interesting is the older brother. Or the older son was in the field working. And when he returned home, he heard the celebration, the music and everything the, the cha-cha slide was going on. He asked one of the servants what was going on. Yep. And it reminds me that Jesus said, I believe in like John 14, 15, 16, somewhere in there. He told them, I no longer call you servants. Yeah. I call you friends. And the reason was, he said, because of the things I have told you, a servant doesn't know what the master is doing. Right. But I told you. So this jumped out to me here. He had to add, he had no idea what was going on to his father's house. He was working. the. He was, even though he was on the property, he still didn't see himself and everything that he had as son. He saw he had a servant meant a slave mentality yeah that he wouldn't even approach no to see what was going on he sent somebody else to tell him hey go go find out what's going on and they come back and they tell him your brother's back 
Your father killed the fatted calf. We're celebrating his safe return. And the older brother was ecstatic and happy and glad to see him home. No. Oh, he said he was angry. He wouldn't even go in. He oh. was angry. Correct. His brother, Correct. His brother comes back, returns home. And he's angry. He wouldn't even go in. It doesn't it amaze you how so many, like there's so many people and religious people that they can see you elevate. They can see you get breakthrough mm-hmm. in an area of life or see somebody. It, it's it's like the Jonah complex. Jonah was sent to Nineveh to tell them to repent or Correct. this judgment would come upon them. He does it. They repent. Jonah gets done. kicked off that they Correct. repented and God didn't judge them. That summarizes quite a few people sitting in churches nowadays. They they are so they get so upset when they see some. Oh, oh, you mean he's he's coming to church now? Don't you remember ten years ago? Wasn't he a drug addict? Wasn't he this? Didn't he cheat on his wife? Didn't he do this? Didn't he do that? Okay, but he's here now. Correct. But he's here now. Is isn't this the gospel? You know, we either believe it or we don't. And your actions will speak about your faith than anything else and how know, you respond yeah. speaks of what you believe and i know you're jesus's second cousin and everything but not all of us had that that luxury all right some of us just and, and this is another thing too we don't find jesus jesus finds us if you go earlier in this same chapter okay yeah the lost land it's it's he goes and finds the lamb correct for the shoulder and carries it back so but we go to like everybody has this moment, right? And, and this right. The older brother, it's incredible. I love what he says here. I don't love it. it. It's sad. But all these years I've slaved for you performance mm-hmm. and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. That sounds like self-righteousness. And in all that time, you never gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet then this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes. You celebrate by killing the fatted calf. Yep. And his father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but he is now found. You see nothing about the father through this whole story, but compassion. Yes compassion, love, mercy, and all his dealings. Dealing with one son that squandered everything and disappeared for who knows how long, and then dealing with another one that never went anywhere but has the wrong attitude and is a a spoiled brat. You You can be in your father's house and still have no idea who you are. Because you can, you can be, and so many of us do it. Where we we think we're doing the good thing because we're working for the Lord, yeah. But but you have no idea, you you don't even you have no idea that you have access to the palace. You're busy in the field. Yeah, that's what he said. He said everything I have is yours. Yeah. Why was the son the one out working in the field? Right. Yeah. He, he he could have been he could have been in the palace just enjoying every and that that's the original mandate if you think about it you know in the garden everything was there the curse was now you've got to work and earn everything correct right so the, yeah. the son the son I think you see that this might be a picture of that coming home you've got kind of like you've got the two people you've got the son who is performing still trying to do to become and then you've got a yeah. son that just walks back home into his inheritance yeah correct and, and i love what what you said there people in the father's house working and doing it and they still have no idea who they are here's the most dangerous thing about that i think their identity becomes the things that they're doing a hundred percent and so they always feel identified by what they're doing. And the moment that's taken away from them, they're crushed. Correct. The moment we somebody at- doesn't appreciate what they're doing, they're crushed. Because their entire identity is wrapped up in what they do. So if somebody right. doesn't acknowledge what they do or appreciate what they do or has a problem with what they do, they take it personal because their identity is so wrapped up in what they're doing. Correct. Hmm. Uh, and one of the 
classes that I'm a part of, they, they talked about like the, the importance of knowing who you are, especially when you're serving in ministry, because you're going to get to a point, let's say pastors, right? They'll pastor for, let's say, 30 years and it's time to retire. But some of them can't retire because all they know is, well, I'm a pastor. No, you're a child of God. You haven't took the time to understand who you are outside of your calling. Your calling does not make you who you are. Right. That doesn't define you. But they were saying how it's dangerous for 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 even pastors who are serving in church and get to a place where they can't retire because that's where they found their identity. We're not saying like they can't retire because, you know, we can't afford it. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about there's people that can't let go of things because they have no idea who they are. Now, if they did, a transition would be much more easier because we have to understand, you know, we don't work to fulfill our identity. Right. We just are. That's right. You know, our, I always like to say it this way. Our doing comes from our being. Your doing doesn't make you, but Correct. you understand that you are. And now your doing flows from your being. And that's where it's natural. When people are like, oh, I'm so burned out and I need to take a break to do that. You're doing it wrong. Yeah. It means you're, 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 you're swimming upstream. You're, you're working against who you are. You're trying to prove yourself through your deeds, through your actions, and gain your identity and what you can do instead of understanding your identity is simply this. You're the you're a son. Yeah. Your father is filled with love and compassion and has yeah. his finest ring and robe and slippers, and he has slayed the fatted calf on your behalf and is throwing a feast. Correct. That, that's your identity. That story, everything we just laid out, that is your identity. Correct. Now, from there, there'll be moments you may work in the pastoral moments you sure. may work in the office of. I think maybe let's use that word and, and sum it before we're getting into another episode here. Right. It's those are offices that you function in. They're not right. identities. Like you know, you are a son or daughter of God. And there might be a period of your life where you, the son of God, a son of God, are operating in the office of pastor. Right. That's where it becomes easy. You know, you got, I'm a pastor. I got my pastor hat on. Well, now God wants to move me here. It's that easy. I'm not different. I just took off that office and now Correct. my identity is still son. Correct. hundred percent. Well, Aubrey, I think we did a pretty good job for episode one. Laid some so. foundation there. Um, uh, hopefully people understand exactly what we're going to be diving into, digging into um, with these other episodes. We're going to get into some more specific topics as, as we continue on, but just the foundation, just to show us or show you guys our heart, where we're coming from um, and just drop some nuggets on there for you. So that is episode one. Aubrey, any final thoughts or anything, uh, any final words for the people here before we sign off? Well, I just want to also point out too, because we didn't really touch on it, but this the significance of a ring in a robe being placed on the sun represented royalty. Yeah. You know, and uh I hate hear me, I hate circle, underline, highlight, hate to hear people say, Well, I'm just a bum, I'm just trash, but God came along. No, God God never made trash. Right. He never made a bum. He made you in his image. Now, if you were to say that, that's a strike against who God is. Right. That's not who he is. We have to understand that we are we are in a priesthood. We are royalty. We're kings. We can use that term loosely, you know. <laughs> but he's the king of kings. He's not the king of orphans exactly. and you know. Oh, the king of kings, lord yeah. of lords. Right. And yeah. his words, not mine, right? What's Correct. that? Peter, right? First or second Peter is a, you are a royal priesthood, Priest. a chosen nation, a holy people, right? Correct. And that, that reminds me, and I'll add this. I know, I know I said we're going to go, but I'll add this. The same one that, that grinds my gears. 
I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, you're not. For one split nanosecond in history, you were. For one, it's like sinner, sinner. And I even hate to use that as like an identifying term. <laughs> I even I even hate to use that, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna meet you where you're at if that's how you if that's where you're what you're thinking. At most, at best, for one micro nanosecond, you were a sinner saved by grace. Yeah. But the moment that hit, the moment that happened, you can no longer identify. No. Because old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You cannot take anything from the past, your previous identity, which was a false identity to begin with, into this new creation life. Correct. It's not you. It's not you. You know? I agree. And that's why we're together. Because I agree. That's why. Exactly. Well, we have been trucking along. I think we did a good job here. What do you think? Same. We'll do one one more episode after this? Yeah. Okay. We'll continue on the podcast for at least one more episode. (laughs) So again, thank you everybody for tuning in here. Episode one. We're figuring this out. We're just going to keep bringing you nuggets and keep bringing you things that the spirit lays on our hearts. And we hope you find value in that. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. If anything uh, sticks out to you, you have any questions about anything, feel free to reach out to one of us or just drop it in the comments here, whatever. We'd love to talk to you. Um, Other than that, Aubrey, thank you for being here. I'll see you in episode two. Episode two. See you guys. Sounds good. Bye, guys.